Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Carly, Recovered Alcoholic, welcome to North Star Big Book. This is a new series I am doing, which I'm super excited about. I get to interview and have people on who I know throughout the AA world that love the big book, and they get to share with us something in the book that they love, that's helped them, and we get to see it through their eyes and their voice. Today, I have a good buddy of mine, Brian, who I met at my home group, 7 p.m. Big Book, which is now virtual and available for anybody in the world to come to. I will add that list to my um, episode notes. Brian, welcome. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Brian. What's your sobriety date? Uh, October 21st, 2016. Oh, yeah. Coming up. Um, So, Brian, thank you for coming on the show. Tell me what we're looking at today. I uh, would love to look at pages 84 to 88 in the big book, the Before chapter into action. get there, tell me why these are your faves. These are my faves. Um, you know, when I first came into, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't really know any better. Um, you know, when I spent the first like 12 to 14, 15 months just kind of in the fellowship and I did like a, a Google the fourth step and did all that. And, uh, I was in AA. It wasn't in me yet. You know, I didn't really know what it meant. And when I met like you I love that, what you just said. You were in AA, but it wasn't in you. It didn't become part of who you were. Absolutely. And I just, I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I was surrounded by really well-intentioned, loving people. Um, But I don't know if I'm just a different brand or what it is. I just didn't know how to treat my alcoholism yet. You know, and I couldn't just go to a meeting to take care of what was really going on inside me, you know. So when I met like you and Kevin um, and Craig and some of the other people in our lineage, I was introduced to what this is really all about, you know? And uh, yeah, 80, 48, 80, 40, 88 has been become like the cornerstone to my whole life. I'm so, so excited. Starting at my day every single day of my life. So It changed my entire sobriety. I want people on here who don't know this about me. So I'm 21 years sober. Until I was 13 years sober, I did not work a 10-step. Um, I thought step <coughs> 10 was just like from on the wall was like, if I mess up, call someone or text them and make a, like an apology. I didn't realize that that was a continued inventory that I just learned how to do in fourth or nine that I was going to be doing. So when I mess up in the day to take care of. So where are we starting? Uh, I say we start at this uh, thought brings us to step 10. Let's do it. And I'll start the first, you know, it says this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. Question, what thought are they talking about? The, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my place a little bit. That's okay. The thought that they are talking about um, is the end of, on the top eighty, yes. you know, the top of eighty-four, they're talking about the promises. Yes, which they read at all the meetings. And if you come to AA and you don't know any better, you think that you're going to get these from attendance at meetings. Absolutely, and I heard the same thing. And one thing I always like to throw in, 
Um, from my experience in this book, before this became a part of my life, I was for, I had a failed suicide attempt at 14 months sober. Um, just from choices and just my alcoholism. And I didn't know what was wrong with me at all. Um, and I heard these promises and none of, none of it was happening for me. I thought something was wrong with me. I didn't, no one ever sat me down and explained to me. Uh, where the was wrong with you. you had untreated alcoholism sober, which yes. I'm so grateful, A, that you didn't get what you wanted, and B, that you're talking about it because it's something that is not talked about a lot in AA, and I felt I was at the same place at a year sober, and we can quickly learn the lingo in AA and learn what to say to make people get off of our back. The language is, they say the same things at every meeting, and so we know what to say. Yeah, I have a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, first things first, and doing it every week at a time, and I would go to a meeting and then in the parking lot, walking to my car, I would think about how I was going to kill myself. Absolutely. And I totally relate to that. And untreated alcoholism, which just means not taking care of the spiritual disease, the mental obsession, which can happen whether you're drinking or not, happens in the rooms of AA. And I have to tell you that I've been to more funerals of AA members who took their lives sober than drunk. 100%. And it's scary. It's horrifying if you've ever been there. Because yeah. it doesn't stop. The voices become very, very loud for us, you know. Where at that time, what were you doing stepwise? I had done a fit step. I did then it with a priest. Stopped. And I thought we were cool, you know. And my um You didn't my make sexual, amends. I wasn't making amends and uh, I didn't tell I wasn't honest. My sexual behavior at the time was very not good at all. Yeah. And you I know I got very not good at all to describe mine too. Yes. And I'd gotten divorced through that process. My sex behavior led me to that. And I didn't know, you know, what to do. I had no idea. I was sicker at 14 months than I was drinking. You well, know? think about it because you don't have alcohol to numb you. So you're just, instead of alcohol to numb you, we go to sex, food, exercise, stealing, lying, gambling, all these things to get out. Which is so true. I had gained 80 pounds and, you know, cheated on my my son's mother within the first year of my sobriety very quickly welcome to aa progress not perfection right <laughs> absolutely okay so we're at the thought the thought that we have to keep doing the work in order to get the promises yes which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along and one thing i want to touch on where it says personal inventory there's only one inventory that we teach in aa you know we learned it in the fourth step we only do one of those things which i didn't know that either you mean but you only do step four once and then you're supposed yeah. to keep going to 10, right? But I Correct. didn't either. So every year, year and a half, whatever sponsor I had, I was like, hey, I need to do a four step with you because my shit's getting blocked off. And Absolutely. it was getting blocked off because it wasn't daily. Take that would be like every single day you put garbage in your garbage and then you never take it out. Absolutely. And then eventually you're like, it stinks in here. It's rotting. Yes. You know? <laughs> and to set right any new mistakes as we go along, that's... Uh, you know, at that, that point, we're looking at step nine, eight, nine. Um, we vigorously commenced this living, live, way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding um, and effectiveness. This I want to pause right here for a second. Sure. I often hear people misquote and say these are the maintenance steps. Like, you just have to maintain it. When I think of that word, like maintain, I think of like, you just have to keep it at status quo. That's not what they're saying. They're saying we want to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And that means I need to work on what I can do to be more understanding and more effective. A hundred percent. And it also says here, we vigorously 
um, which is a heavy word, commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So I don't just make all these amends for 10 years and just wait to do this work. It tells me there's not too many places in the book that anywhere that tells me to wait anywhere, not right. one place. It's telling us to multitask. So as you know, we're working on our nine step, we get to work on our 10 step. You know, my sponsor, Craig, you know, had me doing three amends a week minimum and, uh, you know, at least a two 10 steps a day for a long time. You know, God bless him for that. I love Craig. I have to have him on here because he's so hardcore. He's, he's a trip. <laughs> it says, we have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. One thing I'd like to throw in there, the one time I got to meet Jim Clare. He opened up this book and read that to me and told me to shut my book. That's the most important thing about the 10 step is I have to do it to the day that I die, which is, was fire. Yeah. <laughs> Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Do you have a 10 step you would like to share with the listeners that you can walk us through as an example? I might have one on my, I have, I have one somewhere. Give me one moment. Okay. Actually, I just did one. So. Okay, perfect. It's fresh. It's fresh in my head. I don't have the I like a fresh 10 step. So just so, so the listeners know the way that I do a 10 step typically is I text it. I'll just text it and get it out. Um, if I don't text it, I'll send an email while I'm at work. Or I'll call, like, sometimes when it's really bad, I have to call my sponsor and do it. Or we do it, ver you know, in, in person. Absolutely. You've got crepe so. paper. Are you having a party? <laughs> What's that? You have crepe paper in the background. Are you having a party? I had my birthday was the other day. Happy birthday! Thank you. 36. Yeah, <laughs> it gets better and better, I promise. <laughs> so the other day, my, uh, my boss, I just got a new job. She got angry with me during training that I wasn't paying attention. So normally on paper, my description of why I'm pissed wouldn't be that long. Okay. Because it doesn't really need to be. Right. Um, I often find that whenever I or my sponsees want to write a long reason why we're resentful, we're trying to explain ourselves to justify the resentment. <laughs> definitely. Right, so I was always taught from Craig, like Bill was married to Lois for 40 years, described it in 10 words. So that's usually all I get. So Okay, go. Go for it. When, when I looked at that, that effect made my self-esteem high and low at the same time. It affected my personal relationship with her. I felt unaffected with her. These are my instincts that I'm talking about. And my agenda's headed because instead of telling her, hey, look, I apologize right in the moment. Like, don't talk to me. I made a mistake. No, I just plotted and formed all these crazy ideas how I was going to hurt her in my head. So. Right, because you were resentful because you were, you were embarrassed. Absolutely. So I'm selfish in the fact that, you know, what did I really want from her? I want to just be able to do whatever I want. You know, this is her company, her baby. You know, if me not paying attention isn't a big deal to me, it's everything to her. Right. right? I didn't know this till I talked to my girlfriend later on either, but we'll get back to that. So I'm dishonest in the fact that I 100% believed that I was wrong, that I was wrong that I was right. She was wrong. Like, how dare she talk to me that way? Right. My boss. You know, and I, and how I lied. How did my boss tell me I should pay attention? Yes. And I lied because the first thing I said was, well, I'm not, I'm paying attention. Right. My first reaction was to lie to her when she caught me dead in the water, you know, 
what I'm afraid, what I was afraid of with her is one, she's paying me all this money, you know, and she just, she caught me dead to rights. What is she going to think of me and the kind of worker that I am? Right. You know, she's allowed to be upset. You know, yeah. anyone is. And I, you know, I just, I got scared and I got afraid that I made a mistake. You know, so I had a new job. It was that the fourth step that you just took that from how to inventory yourself and just on this years I'm in fear. That's from step four. Absolutely. 100%. You know, and lastly, I was, I was inconsiderate with her. Um, that's always something that I was taught to throw in. Just not considering where she's at. Right. Um, or considering myself, because I held on to this for six hours. <laughs> I make mistakes. You right. know, it's all. Human. Yeah, I need to have that, um, that balance to my inventory, big time. So it crapped up. You asked God to remove it. Did you text your sponsor or call your sponsor? How did you do the inventory? At the moment, I actually had to take a bathroom break and text them. That's what I do. I, I go to the bathroom. Then I called them on the way home. Yeah. You know, I can't wait with it because I'll just get sicker and sicker. And by yeah. nighttime, I'm having dreams about it, you know. So what did you need to amend? How do you make your amends? What I did was I texted her that night and I said, look, I apologize, uh, Kim, just for, you know, I was wrong. You caught me slipping. I didn't own it. Uh, let's, I'll, I'll come to work early tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Good for you. Luckily for her, for me, she's been sober and an Al-Anon a long time and works a program. So we, we found a really good word on it. And then on the way home, I had to call a sponsor. Right. Um, and you know what else? You are so responsible now, not only because you made amends and you want to make it right, but you are now representing Alcoholics Anonymous to an Al-Anon who we put through hell. And so your responsibility now is times 10 to be a good member of Alcoholics Anonymous at work. A hundred percent. Cause she already has a bad enough experience with all of us. Yes. You know, and I have to reach out to that sponsor because by the time I got off the phone with my, I made that amends and I called the sponsor, got off, it was gone. Yeah. Because we if you don't do it. that last part where it says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help, then you just go back to yourself. Absolutely. 100 percent awesome thank you for sharing that thank you and love and tolerance of others is our code um and one thing that i had to learn it took me a while is i had to show that towards myself too you know it was yes. hard for me to love myself and be tolerant if i don't have that through doing the work i can't show it to anybody right. else either. after you do that inventory you then go and condemn yourself for your behavior then how are you ever going to be non-judgmental and open in guiding your sponsees when they send you that are you going to be like, I can't believe you did that. You're horrible. You should just die. You know what I mean? Like you have to be loving and tolerant of yourself in order to be of other people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Um, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as, from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the so wait, miracle. Can I pause of for a second? Sure. Brian is reading the 10-step promises that never get read at meetings. These no. promises happen as a result of working on your nine-step amends and while you're working on them, cleaning up the wreckage of our present. And while we're cleaning up the past and the present, we get to live in a life where they didn't mention it since step two, that we're now sane again, which means we get to look at our life and 
the problems in front of us and the choices in front of us with a mind that is whole. And that is a promise of working the steps. 100%. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or on our part or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. And I love to point out that word miracle because it is a miracle that mm -hmm. neither of us wanted to wake up today and take a drink. Yes. Um, we are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off and said the problem has been removed through step work. That's your note there, Carly. I wrote down a long time ago. <laughs> it does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And that last sentence that you just read is, so it goes from the promises, but AA never ever ceases to remind me of what's ahead. In that last sentence, that is how we react so long if we keep in fit spiritual condition. I have above it the word if, and that's a contingency, and it's going to take me into the 10-step warning if I, the mental obsession will, will stay removed contingent on staying spiritually fit. So I will be free of the mental obsession as long as I do this work. The mental obsession will return if I don't. And before you're about to read the 10-step warning, the next paragraph, this is the paragraph that every time, every single time I sit down with somebody who's either um, relapsed and come back because they were lucky enough or didn't do the work, stayed sober, it was dry and miserable, they tell me this is what happened to them right here. So read that. Yep. It says, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Now, one thing I want to throw in, they say it's easy because we've all done this at times. Yep, I have. Yep. And rest on our laurels means past success. So by this point, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm going to meetings. I probably did a fit step and knocked two or three amends out of the park. Right. <laughs> and now I think I'm cool, you know, and I, I can have fun and, and not have to worry about doing this. And uh, the rest of this is going to tell us what happens. It says we are headed for trouble if we do. For alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Can you pause right here? Sure. So I always thought a daily reprieve was like a spa day. And like, I just picture myself with like my daily reprieve and my like robe at a spa with like cucumbers <coughs> in my eyes. And a reprieve, I was told to look it up in the dictionary, means postpone the punishment of someone condemned to death. So it's almost like a stay of execution when you're like on the green mile. Like this is hmm. the, I have a daily, I daily, if I do my work, I will postpone the punishment of my alcoholism that was supposed to kill me as long as I do 10, 11 and 12. So if I don't do 10, 11 and 12, the mental obsession will return and the alcohol death that I was promised will be right in front of me. And another thing it says here, it says we are headed for trouble. Now, the big book doesn't say too many words it doesn't mean ever. Yes. We are headed for trouble. Those what, five words in the big book, they mean it. Yes. You know, and trouble is nothing that we want to have to deal with. You've already done trouble. Yes. And I'm sure says, you never had people say this about you, but I remember walking in rooms and going, here comes trouble. Oh, yeah. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still does sometimes <laughs> in a different way now. So it yeah. says we are not cured of alcoholism. What we hit, I'm going to read it again. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. 
every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. And it's just the beginning. They're promising me I'm just going to begin to feel connected. So if you're at step 10 and 11 and you're like, I don't feel connected, the book tells me I'm going to begin. Absolutely. And I've, I've also known those early days when I didn't think I felt it. I look back on it now and it was totally with me. I yes. just wasn't able to recognize it yet, you yes. know. Um, to some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to devile this vital sixth sense. And by vital, they mean life and death, something that I have to develop or I'm not going to make it. But we must go further, and that means more action. So step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So before you get there, the book is telling me after we made the decision for step three to do the work, we go four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Here's your nine step of men's directions. We're going to get into step 10, which you just took us through. And while you're daily cleaning up the action of the, you know, our daily messes, you don't get to chill. It says we have to go further. And they're about to take us into the step that very few people know if we do, other than our sponsor or our partner. And everyone will know that we don't by how we behave in the world. And it's by, I'll just throw in, this is my favorite part of the program. My favorite part of the big book is uh, I love step 11. 100%. So it says, uh, we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and value, valuable suggestions. So these are the, this next paragraph are the directions that I do every night. You know? I want to say something before you do them. If you're listening and you're not at step 11, I want you to know that nothing bad will happen if you start doing this tonight. I have new people or people that came back start on page 86 at their nightly and morning every single day. I do not need them to get here through the steps first. It's a great practice to start doing, especially when you're brand new and you don't know what the hell you're doing with your life, to start every morning reading these pages and every night ending them. Yes, and your 10 step is not the inventory that you do at night. I hear no, that all the not. time. No, it's not. It drives so me funny. nuts. Go ahead. <laughs> so it says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Was I kind and loving toward all? What could I have done better? Was I thinking... Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? I'm used to reading this to myself at night. <laughs> or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift in the worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After and everything our at this point is about everything after step five is what can we do to make the, you most useful to others? And what you just read, so do you read it out of the book every night? Yes. I either read it out of the book, I listen to it being read, or I have in my phone these questions, exact questions, like in my notepad, and I'll like answer them. Um, some sponsees like to copy and paste them to a new note. They fill the answers out and send them to me, not because I need to read them, but because they need to be accountable. Sure. 
And I, you know, for me real quick, when I'm doing this, I do it on my notepad on my phone as I'm reading yeah. it. I just answer the questions and I send it to my sponsor every night. Yeah. It's just about being accountable. It's about you and God. I, I like to send it. Um, I have girls send it to me because it helps them be accountable. And also I see some stuff in there that's pretty important, but I also let them know, like, this is not the only way to communicate with me. If there's something really important, don't hide it in the middle of your 11 steps so I can lose it. Definitely. And if I'm not working a proper 10 step, this is a real long inventory at the end. Yes. Right? Yes. If, if I am, it's just a review. So I got and my sponsor know where I'm at. Um, but I, you know, or was I thinking of what I could do, what we could do for others of what we could pack on the stream of life, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. I'm really good at all those things. Yeah. Um, for you know that what those are? Art. What Kevin tells me those are? Those are non-reality lack of mindfulness blocks us off from God because they're not in the moment. When I'm worrying about the future, I'm not in the moment. When I'm remorseful at the past, I'm not in the moment. And when I'm morbid, I'm totally missing the point of why God has me here. Definitely. When I'm overly worried, remorseful, or just morbidly reflecting, that's just my ego in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just so important that I'm the yeah. worst person in the world. Um, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taking. Very, very simple direction at the end there. So that's what you do at night. How long does that take you to do? 10 minutes. Yeah. Tops, and that's a long time. Ten. Sometimes it can take five minutes. It's just about finishing the day, making sure we got rid of everything for the end of the night so we can start fresh tomorrow. The, t the 11 step at night leads me into my 11 step directions in the morning. I add a few extra questions in there sometimes. I use it as a tool to add things that I'm struggling with. So in there I have, did I touch my phone while I was driving? Because um, that's one of my amends I owe is, since I was a drunk driver and a high driver, is that I need to not touch my phone while I was driving. Uh, I have, did I carry the message? Because I want to put things in there to keep me accountable so I can always think about them for the next day. Absolutely. Tell me about morning. What do you do in the morning? Ooh, my favorite. So. Mm -hmm. It says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Uh, we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And I do this after I take some, some quiet time to myself, you know. So um, you do meditation first? Yes. Yeah, I do my meditation first usually too. Now, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And how do I look at these wrong motives through inventory and prayer? And I want to just highlight here that they're telling me over and over and over again, I get to use my mind now. I get to use my thinking. I get to use my mental faculties. I get to use my brain, my thought life. Because now if I've done one through 10 and I'm actively doing 10 and 11, working on my nine of amends, the book, God, the AA members that wrote this are telling me that they, I can trust my mind again. So if you've ever heard someone at a meeting say, don't listen to your head, don't go there alone. It's a dangerous neighborhood. Those people are telling the truth because their, their head is probably a dangerous neighborhood. Mine is not. Like, I welcome you in it. It's pretty silly in there. But like, and I have inappropriate things in there. But like, it is not a neighborhood that is dangerous. And when I have a thought that's dangerous, I inventory it. Yeah, 100%. And it says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. 
Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. I relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. This has been the biggest um, gift for me of a step 11 is I didn't know that if you didn't know what to do, you sh you're not supposed to take action. I thought like what I heard, what I interpreted people in AA saying was when you don't know what to do, do the next right thing. And that's not what the book says. The book tells me if you don't know what to do, we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. So we don't push and force an answer. Often one of the things that Sarah and I do when we ask each other in our inventory about something is when do you have to make this decision? And the Absolutely. answer is almost never right now. It's like, I have to know by the next two months. And you're like, okay, so let's not make a decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. I like this, have tried this for a while. This is the first step in the book where it tells me every day, you know, 10 and 11 are. Yeah. Um, what used to be the hunch or the occasional, the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We may pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Nevertheless, you when you interpret your thoughts to be God's and you're like, oh, this absolutely. is what God wants me to do. This is God's will. You're God's. And it's usually a sexual partner that we name as God's will. That's usually what we're talking like, like about. That's their handle. Like, oh, I am God's will. You're like, really? So the way that I found out the way to trick my around my own brain is ask myself this question. Am I willing to share God's will with my sponsor? If I don't 100%. want to share with my sponsor what I perceive to be God's will is, then it's not God's will. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and the more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation that, with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. So they're telling <coughs> us what I'm allowed to ask for. Do you have anything uh, written on the side there next to that parrot? I do. I have no cosmic pimp errand boy God. Me too. Do you know why you have that? Yes, because that's what I used to uh, ask God for. Yes. So God is not a cosmic pimp errand boy. So I can't say, God, get me a job. I have to say, God, give me the courage and strength to fill out applications and put my resume together and keep going out there, even if, I say, if they say no. And I have to do the footwork. God's not going to have someone knock on my door and say, I'd like to offer you a job, Carly. Same with relationships. God's not my pimp, right? If I want to have a relationship <laughs> with somebody, I need to get myself to a place where I like myself. So when I'm ready to be with somebody, that person's there. So I ask God to help me get myself to that place. God's not on, like, on a dating app. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you he's not. <laughs> we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. I love this next paragraph. We'll get into this here in a second. It says, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. 
If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. And I can say here is, I've done a lot of different things spiritually in the last couple of years, you know, between sweat lodges and different like Buddhist meditations. And I, you know, I go to church every week now and I've, I've read the Bible, but one thing that I, this works for me, this always gets me in trouble, but we're going to roll with it. Mm-hmm. I believe in the God of AA, right? So all of those other things are just an extension of this step for me. Not a replacement. Yes, not a replacement. AA has to be, that's where God wants me to be. Yes. That is my primary purpose. So all of that other stuff is to strengthen my relationship with him so I can stay here and stay sober and work I'm these so steps. I'm so grateful you said that. So this is the skeleton, okay? What you're reading right now is the skeleton must always be part of my daily life. What I want to do extra, the sweat lodges, all of that, are personalized and fleshed in what works for me, what doesn't work for me. You try all these new things. It is our responsibility as seekers to seek. The first word of step 11 is sought, sought through prayer and meditation, which means I'm looking for something, which means I still don't have it, which means even after one through 11, I'm still looking, which is an indication that my responsibility is to seek connection with my higher power And I hope that I'm doing that for the rest of my life. Like I am inspired by you and and all the different people around me that are trying new things. Because if I just do the same thing every single day and I never expand or try something new or someone invites me to something and I just say no, then I'm shutting the door to a possible place for my usefulness and for my open-mindedness. Absolutely. And, you know, for a while, it's when you first get into this, it's, it's hard to find that balance, you know, and I can tell you this, you know, I'm almost four years sober is that AA is where God wants me to be, mm-hmm. you know, all that other stuff is just an addition to that. That's going to strengthen me there. You know, that's but the most important time, thing. I love that you're seeing this because there was a time where I had like five meditation books I would read every morning yeah. and I would like fast forward for each one. I have to hurry up and get all my reading done. And I, I got nothing from any of it because I, I just race through it. So I cycle through my stuff. Like I have one book that, you know, I'm going to start reading again tomorrow because I had stopped reading for like a year. I loved it, but I read it so many times it got old, but now I'll be stepping into the river again. It'll be a different place. I'm stepping in because I'm a different person. And I'll be open to it. But one thing I'd like to, you know, remind the listeners is don't so do so much stuff that you can't get anything from it. 100%. So as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. They're literally telling me how to live my daily life here. You know, what to do. This is what I'm going to do when I get agitated or doubtful. And what I want to remember, and I do this sometimes with a, with a marker, is I take um, like a black marker and I write 11 on my um, hand, which is the same symbol as pause. And I need to remember to pause because if I could just pause, I would get myself out of so much trouble. So much trouble. <laughs> Just shut up and stop. I know. Just shut up and wait. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. We constantly remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, I will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, 
anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way that we have just outlined. I want to stop you for a second. So sure. Bill W., I heard one of his last talks before he died sober, one of our co-founders of AA, and he talked about the word spiritual obedience. And he said that alcoholics are the most undisciplined people he's ever met. He knew us because he's us. And he mm. knows that we have a really hard time doing something consistently, um, especially when it's good for us. And he said that we need to show up like an obedience class, like a dog does to this work. And I want to always share with people that if every single morning I do this work, out of every 30 days I'm doing it, maybe one to two days I feel connected and I feel like I get like a serious, clear message. And the rest of the time I'm just showing up. The rest Absolutely. of the time I'm just going through the motions and it's not about what I'm getting from it. It's about me saying to my higher power, to myself, to the people that are in my life, this time is important to me and I need to devote it to my higher power. Absolutely. And it's just, uh, these are the habits that people that stay here forever have. I love you know, that. Um, you know, and, but this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. You just made my day. You made my day. Thank you. You are the best. Will you bother your boys as I want them on here? I promise. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. We love you. I love you too, Carly. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.